Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 2. I'm going to be uh, using that as my primary text this morning. John chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. And today I want to continue our series called Miraculous. Uh, We are believing God this year for some miraculous things to happen. All right, three of you are believing with me for God to do some miraculous things this year. I need God to do some miraculous things in my life. I know some of you have told me some things that you need God to do in your life. And so together, I think we're better than we are separate. And so let's believe together that God's going to do some miraculous things for us this year. Amen? I know that many of you, many of you are looking for miracles to take place in your life and we need God to show up. Last week I began the series with the message called God has a miracle for you. I believe that he does. I believe God has a miracle in store for you. I believe he has one that has been crafted specific to your need and it is awaiting you to access it. Last week I told you that there are miracles available around you that they are already prepared. They are tailor made for your situation. Part of what is required for that miracle is what you've already been given in your hands. Part of the miracle that God wants to do in your life requires the raw materials that He's already placed in your hand. Every miracle that God does in your life requires something on your part. It requires a faith planted as a seed in a a seedbed of desperation so that the miracle uh, working power of God can be produced and released and come forth producing the fruit that you need to see God bless and move in that particular area of your life. Lastly, I told you that you can't consume what's meant to be sold. The problem that we have so many times is we have those raw materials in our hand, the makings of a miracle in our hand, and instead of sowing them into God's kingdom, sowing them back into God's hands, and trusting Him with it, we consume what we have, and therefore thwart the very miracle opportunity that exists for us in that situation. We take what is insufficient as it already is, and we consume it so that the miracle is unable to be produced. If you'll give it to God and you'll watch Him work, He will multiply it for you. And so today I want to continue in this series and I want to give you some components and some of the pieces that are needed for a miracle to be produced in your life. What must a miracle producing situation contain? And so this morning, help me pray as I preach to you the making of of a miracle. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your anointing in this house today. I thank you for the power to change lives that it exists in this building, Lord, that the miracle working components to change the lives of your people exist already within their grasp. Lord, you've already put the pieces in place. The platform is built, Lord, for the stage is set, Lord God, for you to do something miraculous in the lives of each and every person in this place. Lord, we come in agreement of one mind and one accord. We believe that right now, Father, you You're going to speak to us, to our hearts and to our minds, and you're going to prepare us for what you want to do in our lives in this very moment. 
Father, I thank you that you are here in the midst of us where two or more agree. It shall be given where we gather together in your name. Lord, you stand in the midst of us. And Father, we've come in agreement. We've come together to see you and to seek you and to experience what you have for us in this service this morning. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I like the miracle that Jesus does in John chapter 2 because of a couple of reasons. Largely because it is his first miracle and it's where he really kind of emerges on the scene as the miracle worker, as this, as this, uh, this cut up, uh, set apart, uh, separate individual who has the unique workings of the power of God in his life. And so it's, it's his first miracle, but I like it also because his first miracle he does is directly tied to the last miracle that he will do upon his ascension to the right hand of the Father. It is the miracle of turning the water into wine at the wedding of Cana. Jesus comes on the scene. He's not necessarily there to do a miracle but in the moment of the need that arises, He is on the scene and He is ready to work in your life. Can I just say to you this morning, even though He may not be here, you may not be expecting Him to do a miracle in your life today, that at the point that you need a miracle, He's always on the scene to do it. If you'll invite Him into the situation, He'll change the situation and He'll do great things for you if you'll allow him to do that. Amen. Amen. Chapter 1 or verse chapter 2 verse 1 says on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. The fact that Jesus and his mother are there indicates to us that they were they were family of the wedding party. They were related to them. If not family, they were certainly close uh, acquaintances, but probably family uh, for this wedding party. Jesus is not, what that means to us today is Jesus is not unique to the crowd. Think about it. Jesus is not unique to the crowd. Rather, he is familiar to the crowd. They know him. They've been familiar with Him. They're acquainted with Him. They've seen Him at other functions, perhaps. They've watched Him grow up around them. I can remember that time when I had to change little Jesus' diaper. It's that kind of situation. They know Him. They've always known Him as Jesus. He's familiar. He's someone that they've watched grow up. They've heard stories. But they don't know Him as Master yet. They just know Him as Jesus. Can I say that probably one of the biggest difficulties in you becoming who you are supposed to be is the challenge that family presents to you oftentimes because they've only known you as a certain person and they can't begin to see you as someone that is called by God and used by God in another capacity? It's not that they don't love you. It's not that they're not for you. They've been there through it all. They've seen you grow up. They're proud of the person you're becoming. But it's hard for them to see you as anything other than what they've always known you as. No doubt Jesus is dealing with this same thing. Later on, Jesus will say a prophet's without honor in his own hometown. Why is that? Because it's hard to overcome the stigmatism, the perspective that people have about you if they've always known you. I don't want to get off point this morning, but some of you have had past that it's hard for you to get over. It's hard for you to overcome because that's the only thing that people's ever known about you. 
Can I just say to you this morning that God wants to rewrite your past and reestablish for you a new future. He doesn't want you to always be bound by what you've done and who you have been in the past, but He wants to give you an opportunity to be somebody different and somebody new. And the first person that that has to change, the mindset that that has to change in, is you. You got to see yourself as somebody different. You got because people will always see you as you see yourself. That's why Jesus is able to go beyond the moment. He's able to escape the limitations that are set upon him by the crowd because Jesus knows who he is. He is the son of the living God. He is the miracle worker. He is the one that can come and do whatever needs to be done. He is the one that meets your needs. He's the one that moves the mountains. He's the one that heals the brokenhearted. He's the one that does all those things. And so Jesus is not bound by the limitations of others even though they are limiting him in the way that they perceive him. If you want change in your life, it starts with you thinking differently of yourself. Because people will see you as you see yourself. They've known Jesus. They've watched Him grow up. They've heard stories about Him, but they've never known Him as the master of the ceremony, the master who can come and change the situation. He's been around, but they've never seen Him in the way they're about to see Him now. He is about to be transformed from just a member of the family to a miracle maker. For all of us in this room, again, one of the reasons we struggle to find the miracle that God has prepared for us is that we struggle to see Jesus in any other way than the way we've always seen Him. Do you hear me this morning? I'm saying to you that the reason sometimes we, we don't get the miracles that we need from Jesus is because we've got Him boxed in. We've got Him in a place that we've always seen Him as. And it's hard for us to see Him as anyone who can do something different in our lives and in our situation. We limit who He is and what He can do because we don't know Him like that. I don't know Him like that. I've never seen him turn water into wine. I've never seen him take a a lame man and raise him up from from the bed mat. I've never seen him put his hands on the blinded eyes and see those eyes open. I've never seen him put his hands on the ears of a deaf man and see those ears open up. I've never seen him like that. And because I've never seen him like that, It's easy for me to put him in such a place that he cannot move in my life and in my situation because I have limited his very activity and work in my life. Something unexpected, something unanticipated is about to happen in the room. The miraculous is in their midst and they don't even know it. The miraculous is standing in front of them because the master is standing in front of them. And so today the first thing that you need in the making of a miracle is the presence of Jesus. You have got to have the presence of Jesus in your situation. Without the presence of Jesus, there is no miracle. Without Jesus being in the room, there is no ability for a miracle to be produced. There's no miracle without the miracle maker. He must be included and he must be listened to this. He must be invited into the process. He must be invited into the process. Jesus is a bystander in the room until he is invited into the process. 
That's good stuff. I'm telling you, you can't expect God to work in your life unless you invite Him into the process of your life. He'll just be a bystander. He'll stand on the sidelines and He'll watch you struggle. He'll watch you fight. He'll watch you strive. He'll watch you do all those things until you finally surrender enough and submit enough to Him to say, would you please come and be a part of this process? I can't do this on my own. I can't make it on my own. I'm beating myself to death trying to get through this process. But if you'll just come in and be a part of it, I know that the miracle maker will invade the situation and things can change for me. Amen. Without Him, there is no miracle because the miracle originates from Him. The miracle is contained in the person and the power of Jesus Christ. Without Him, listen, without Him, there is no potential, there is no promise, and there is no possibility of a miracle. Without Him, you simply have dead ground that can't produce. You have dormant potential that can't be unleashed and you have a promise without a backer. You have a promise without a backer. All God's promises are yes in Christ and amen in Christ. Without Jesus in the situation, you have promises, but you, don't have, you do not have a guarantee of those promises being fulfilled. When Jesus is invited into the process of your life and Jesus is invited into the scene uh, or scenario that you're facing, you have a backer of the promises of the Word of God. You have someone that can stand behind what has been committed to you. You have someone that can produce what has been promised to you. If you need a miracle, then you have to be willing to invite Him into the situation. Without Him, it's never going to happen. If you need a financial miracle, effort alone won't be enough. You have to invite Jesus to be a part. If you need a miracle with your wayward son or daughter, pleading with them won't be sufficient. You have to invite Jesus to be involved in the process. If you need a miracle in your body, going to every doctor in the land won't be sufficient to heal you. Jesus has to be present. A miracle demands the presence of the miracle maker. And without him you have You have hope without substance, you have promise without power, and you have a problem without a solution. Without Jesus, you can't counsel your marriage through to victory. You'll only find a temporary fix to a permanent problem. Without Jesus, you can't work yourself out of a financial mess. Without Jesus, all your efforts to produce a miracle aren't going to happen. You need Him present. He is the miracle maker. And without Him, there is no making of a miracle. And so what's lacking in what you're dealing with oftentimes may just be the very presence of Jesus and the invite to make Him a part of the process. Our our problem with all of us, it's our human nature, is to try to find every solution aside from Jesus and at the last moment when there is no other hope, then we turn to Him and say, hey, I can really use your help now. Verse 3. And when they ran out of wine, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. 
Whatever He says to you, do it. Verse 3 tells us they have no wine. In this day it would, be, it would have been a reproach on the family to run out of wine. It would have been a, a reproach on the wedding host and the family of the wedding party to run out of wine. Now watch this. The situations of your life that require a miracle are situations in which the enemy has tried to bring a reproach against you. It's an area where he has tried to accuse you of being inadequate and at the root of that accusation is that you are really not a son or daughter of the king. The need, the miracle that you need in your life is a reproach of the enemy. He's trying to accuse you in that situation. He's trying to say to you, if God really loved you, and if you're really a son of God, then you wouldn't be sick like you're sick. If you really were serving God, then your marriage wouldn't be falling apart. If you were really a son and daughter of the king, then you wouldn't be struggling financially because the Bible says all of those that are his, he's going to bless. And so it must be, it must be that you're not serving God, you're not a son, you're not a daughter of the king and I'm bringing accusation against you it's proof in its essence that you're right where you need to be it's proof that the enemy is being baited into coming out of darkness and being brought into the light so God can expose him for the coward he is and he can take that accusation and run it right back down his very throat Come on, you can surely clap better than that. Praise the Lord. The sons and daughters of the king are heir to all the king has. Your lack is an accusation that you are not really his. But the truth is this morning is you are his. And since you are his, you are never without the things that you need. The enemy is always going to be the accuser. He says things like if you were really living for God, if you were really a serving God, if you were really being faithful, you wouldn't be without a job, you wouldn't be dealing with depression, you wouldn't be facing uncertainty. No, no, no. The answer is that it might be be right today, but it might not be right today, but daddy is on his way. My father is stepping into the situation and he has what I have need of. The situation is ripe for the miraculous. Verse 5 says, His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. The second component to the making of a miracle is obedience to his word. Obedience to his word. His written word and his directed word at your life. The word of God that I get when I spend time in prayer with him and he commands me or tells me to do something. Obviously, we've got to be obedient to the written word, but also the spoken word of God for my life. What is God telling me to do specific to my life, specific to my situation, specific for the moment? Whatever he says to you, do it. The answer to the miracle you need may be as simple as obeying what Jesus is already telling you what to do. It may be as simple as what has already been written in this word. How can I expect God to give me a miracle in my life if I'm living in opposition to what he has already written in his word? 
How can I expect God to bless my situation if I'm not being faithful with what He's already given me? How can I expect God to work in my life and do what I'm asking Him to do when I'm not obeying what He's already told me to do? And then we take it to another level where we spend time with the Lord and God directs us in the moment. He directs us in our current state. He directs us in the the workings of our everyday life. We've got to be obedient to those words too. We've got to be listening and hearing what God is saying. The answer to the miracle you need may be as simple as obeying what Jesus is already telling you to do. Be obedient to Him. He will bring the miracle to pass in front of your eyes, but you have to obey what He tells you to do. Whatever He tells you to do, do it. I like that the verse says there that His mother said to the servants... We are His servants. We are His servants. We are His servants. We must obey the Master. Whatever He says to you, do it. I think that this is one of the biggest obstacles to to the miraculous working in our lives, to just God working in our lives, is simple obedience. Because two things are required for obedience. The first thing that's required for obedience is you have to hear. You have to have an ear to hear what the Lord is saying to you. You have to be in a place and a position where you can hear Jesus speak to you about the miracle that you need. And listen, the more avenues that you utilize to hear, the clearer the message is going to be. Listen to that. The more avenues that you utilize to hear from God the clearer the message is going to be. Everything that God says needs to be established by more than one way. It needs to be established by multiple ways. You know, I find myself at times when I'm really trying to seek God and hear from God that when He begins to speak, He doesn't just speak to me one moment in the altar. He speaks to me through this individual or that individual. I'll be driving down the road and there'll be a big billboard that's a message from God and it says something... God, you know, underneath it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's Him talking to me again. And it may be in nature, it may be in whatever. It may be in a worship song. It may be in just just everyday conversation. But I've got to open my mind and open the opportunities and the avenues for which God can speak because the more avenues I open, the clearer the message will be. I'm at service listening to God speak through the preacher, through my fellow believers, through worship. I'm in the Word and praying. I'm listening to Christian music in my car. I'm reading my... (laughs) Pastor, I don't know why every time I go to work, I'm in such a bad mood when I get there. What are you listening to on your way to work? I'm reading my devotion. I'm in a position to hear Him speak to me and I'm listening to Him. The second thing that's required for obedience is you have to follow through. It's wonderful that you can hear from God. It's wonderful that you know exactly what God is telling you to do. My question to you is, are you doing it? Are you following through with what God has, has said to you? I, you? I can't tell you how many times I've had counseling sessions where people come in and they say, I know exactly what God wants me to do. But, how do you, what do you want me to do? Well, how can I help you? 
Because if God's telling you to do something and you won't do it, it doesn't matter what I do. I can dance, I can sing, I can jump around, I can talk to your spouse, I can do whatever, but it won't matter. Because obedience is required. And you have to follow through. It's not enough. Well, I heard from the Lord. Praise God. That's good. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? I know what I need to do. Then do it. If you know what you need to do, then do it. It's not enough to hear. You've got to follow through. Obey. Even though, listen, obey even though you don't understand the whole process. Jesus doesn't give the details of the process. He says, go get those water pots, fill them with water. That's what he told them to do. Well, Jesus, I don't understand why we're doing this. I mean, we need wine. We don't need water. We, you know, listen, obey even though you don't understand the whole process. Obey even though you have some problems. Well, but, but water's not the problem. It's the wine that's the problem. We, we don't need water. We need wine. Even though you're not encouraged. Obey anyway. Obey even though you haven't walked with Him very long. Obey Him even though you haven't seen Him do any miracles yet. Still obey Him. You have to be obedient to Jesus. Whatever He says to you, do it. Verse 6. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews. Containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, "If you, listen, let me just stop there and say, if you're going to do something for the Lord, do it to the utmost. They didn't fill them halfway. They filled them to the brim. They went all the way with God. He said to them, draw some water out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The servants always know. The servants always know because they're right involved in the process with God. I want to be a servant that's involved in this process. Amen. I want to see the inner workings of what God's doing. I want to see it from beginning to end. I want to see the water that I know I poured water in there and now I've seen it turn to wine. I want to be a part of that process. I said to you earlier that the first miracle of Jesus is connected to his last miracle before his ascension to the right hand of the Father. And in this particular passage of Scripture, there's a lot of symbolism in the text that points toward the last miracle that Jesus will do. The last miracle that Jesus performed is that he gave us the Holy Spirit. God in us and God with us to do the work of the ministry. Acts 1.8 tells us that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Jesus said in John 16.7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now verse 6 says, Now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews contained 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Six is the number of man. Water pots of stone represent us as vessels. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, but we have this treasure in what? In earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are always just vessels in the process and without the filling of the power of God, we can do nothing. 
Verse 7 says, Jesus said to them, fill the water parts with water and fill them to the brim. Water and wine almost always are symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Almost always. The text says in verse 6 that the pots are there according to what? The manner of purification. The water of the Holy Spirit does just that to those who surrender their life to Jesus Christ. He fills us with the first work of the Holy Spirit, which is for cleansing us and making us new. Old things are passed away and all things become new. When? When we accept Jesus Christ and His Spirit comes into our lives. Every miracle starts with our position in Jesus Christ. The miracle maker must be present and He is present upon our invitation for Him to come into our lives. He's got to be in the situation and we must be in Christ. He's got to be in the situation and we have to be in Christ for the miracle to take place in our lives. Now watch, when we invite Him... He pours the Holy Spirit into us and it washes us and makes us pure before God. Titus 3, 4 through 6 says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of what? The Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now listen, Jesus is not finished with you by simply making you clean. The work of the Holy Spirit in your life is meant to be twofold. It is meant to cleanse you and then it is meant to empower you. It is meant to cleanse you first and empower you second. Verse 8 says, And he said to them, Draw some water out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, here the Holy Spirit is represented in both water and wine. Water is necessary for life. You have to have it or you're not going to live. You have to have water. You have to have the Holy Spirit or you're not going to have the life of Christ. But wine is altogether different. Wine is much more potent and powerful. Some of you know this from your past. It has the power... (laughs) It has the power to alter your state of mind and affect your overall being. When you are full of wine, you walk differently. You talk differently. You have gone through a change and transformation. You are not just of yourself, but there is something else at work in your life. The wine represents the second work of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where He consumes you. The first work is the Holy Spirit working in you, and the second work is the Holy Spirit working through you. And so the last component this morning that I want to share with you to making of a miracle is the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing happens without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in and through your life. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. John 16, 13 says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Morgan, would you come this morning? Verse 9 says, The master of the feast called the bridegroom 
And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore. You say, Come to the